Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Thank you for listening. I pray this message inspires you to live a life engaged in Jesus Christ. Welcome home. Happy Sabbath, everyone. And y'all usually get rain like this out here? It is, it is as they say, well, actually, I don't know if, I don't know if it still is, but at least this morning, it was raining cats and dogs. I did not know y'all got rain like this out here. And now it's cold, and now I have an excuse to wear this nice turtleneck. <laughs> All right. So, I've got a syrup. Okay. Over the last couple of years, I have really gotten to love cars. So, you know, as a kid, you, the guys, boys, maybe some girls too, like you really, like you love cars, right? And I had a whole bunch of toy cars, the Hot Wheels. I had a remote control Corvette that I absolutely loved. I loved the Cars movies so much, and I even sometimes now go back and watch them because they're so cool. And I even used to watch that, that one street racing franchise movie that good Christians don't watch. And uh, yeah, I just, I really loved cars as a kid. But then, you know, you got older, and you, the toys go away, and you have other things to worry about. And so I kind of grew out that. I also, I forgot about this, I also watched NASCAR as a kid. I loved NASCAR so much. And honestly, now I don't know why, because it's literally just cars driving around in an oval. It's not even like a cool windy track, it's just an oval. And I loved it, and I used to tell my parents that when I grow up, I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. I thought it was the coolest thing. So I grew out all of that until the pandemic hit. And I remember when the pandemic hit, a little bit after, um, my dad had texted me randomly, and he said, hey, do you want a Mustang? And stupid me said, no, I don't want a Mustang. They're really bad on gas. I need something practical. And I wish, to this day, I wish I had, had uh, said otherwise. I wish I had gotten that Mustang. Instead, I, got, I settled for a Ford Escape, and it was a huge regret. <laughs> Could have had a Mustang. Anyway, after I said that, like I wanted a car that was more practical. I was trying to be practical, trying to be responsible. After I said that, things started to change. So I was working at Chick-fil-A during the pandemic and in Tennessee. And I remember we'd be staying outside in the drive-thru. And as the days would go by, I started to see like these like very radical cars. Like first I started to see like the pickup trucks. And I know you guys have like some lifted trucks out here. What I haven't seen is there were guys who would lift up the front end of the truck and leave the back down. So it would be driving like this. We'd call it squatted. It was completely ridiculous. And then later, eventually, it's like the guy had enough money for only the front springs to raise it up. And then a month later, he had enough springs for the back. And so finally, his truck was leveled. And then, then I started seeing cooler, cooler cars. I remember one time, or not one, eventually, there was this bright blue Mustang GT that would roar every, every, like, every other day at 7 a.m., he would just 
gun it up the exit ramp and just like it was the loudest roar. It was pretty cool. And so, I don't know, just the car scene just started to explode. All of a sudden, there were like car meets happening in my town, kind of like, kind of like a Fast and Furious scene. Like there were car meets, there were all these cruises, and and then I moved in with an old high school friend who was also really into cars. And then I ended up hanging out with other high school friends who were also into cars, and they all had their own cars. And so I'm hanging out with all these car people, I'm going to all these car meets, and eventually I get my very own Miata. So that's my, that's my little convertible car. Her name is Maxine. And, and uh, right next to it is obviously a very handsome, young, single, single man. <laughs> No, but I, I love that car so much. It was so fun. It, it's, you can see there's like a little dent on the front of that car there. Uh, but, and there's like, there's little eyelids on the, on the headlights to make it look like it's mad. Yeah, so cool looking car, so fun. And Tennessee has a lot of windy back roads. And so man, driving with a manual car, little convertible car handled so well. It was so much fun. So I really started to like grow in this, in this love for cars. But anyway, as, as, the, as time started to go, you can, you can take the picture off. I don't want anyone to, uh, to fall, or fall for me or anything. Um, as the years started to go by, I started to notice on Facebook Marketplace that the price for certain cars were like, people were selling their cars that they had bought like a couple of years ago. And they're, now they're selling it for even more. And they had like dumped all this money into it and like, you know, they're super modified, they have the spoilers, they have the loud exhaust, they have a new paint job. They dumped all this money into the car and it would usually be like, I don't drive this much anymore, like I need the money or something like that. So people were like, you know what happened during the pandemic, right? We were all just at home, people were getting their stipend checks. So you're bored, you have nothing to do. So I guess some people decided that they were gonna dump money into their cars. And then as time went on, they realized, wait a minute, I need my money and then they try to sell their cars. I don't know how you guys tend to shop or buy things, but the way I like to do it is I will stand there. Like, I bought this outfit at H&M yesterday, and I was there for a good while, and I'm standing there, and I'm like looking at all these outfits, looking at the price tag, and I'm asking myself, how much do I need this? <laughs> and I would, I would, I've gone to H&M like three times now and I finally got an outfit. But like a lot of times I would spend like 30 minutes there looking at this outfit and I'm like, man, this is a good outfit. And I'm like, how much do I need it? And I'm like, I don't need it. And I'll put it back and just not walk out. I'll walk out the store with nothing. So the problem with these people, right? These people who bought all these cars, who dumped all their money into it, is that they didn't ask themselves, how much do I need it? So far this year, we have been talking about the year of the Lord's favor. So Luke chapter 4 is where our verse is found. And Jesus has just begun. He's about to get his, the, the ball of ministry rolling. And it's, it's honestly like a pretty, pretty cool setup. Right? Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness not eating or drinking anything. And the devil comes to him 
and tries to get him to fall. And Jesus remains faithful. He doesn't give in to temptation. And then he goes and he gets baptized. And he hears a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you're reading this, like, this is like, man, like, everything is building up. Like, this is about to be the most intense part of the story. And people are starting to talk. The news of Jesus is spreading all across Israel. And people are saying, like, man, is this, is this the Messiah who was promised? Is this finally the time where the year of the Lord's favor falls on us? After all these years of suffering and affliction at the hands of various enemies for, for centuries, is the Lord's favor finally upon us? And so we come to Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. And Jesus is in his hometown, Nazareth. These are the people who watched him grow up, who saw his character develop. And he reads from Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wait, that verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what happens after Jesus reads this text? The people of Israel get, I mean, the people of Nazareth get mad. They, they're like, who are you to say these things? You're just Joseph's kid. You're just a carpenter's son. How can you say those things? They get angry. They kick him out of the synagogue, and they go so far as to try to throw him off the cliff. Based on how these people reacted, how much do you think they felt they actually needed the Lord's favor? I'm sure they talked about it, and I'm sure they seemed like they wanted it. But if they truly felt like they needed the Lord's favor... Do you think they would have reacted differently? I want to talk about the first part of, of verse 18. That's what we're going to focus on today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has... Can you get that verse up? <laughs> he has what? To, to do what? Preach the gospel to who? The good news to who? The poor. This is a... This is a very, very interesting uh, uh, text here. Preaching to the poor. Because the first question that comes up into my head is, why does it only go to the poor? What about the rich? Does this mean that in order to receive the good news, does this mean that I have to go and sell everything that I have? Does this mean, Isaac, you have to give up your idea of a dream home with your soon-to-be wife and you just got to live in a cardboard box? That's the only way you can get the good news. Because the good news only goes to the poor. What, what does it mean? This is radical stuff that Jesus is quoting because at the time, right, the Jews knew that they were supposed to, to help out the poor. Like they were supposed to, to give them money, give them food. But the common conception, misconception, was that 
the poor were poor because they deserved to be. Like they had committed, their family had committed some kind of sin, and God was punishing them and not providing for them. And that's why they were poor. But Jesus says that the gospel would go to them. Could it be that maybe the rich don't get the gospel because they don't feel like they need anything? They don't need it. So why would they take it? So today I want to walk through two stories of two men who knew what it means to be rich and to be poor. And we're going to learn today that the Lord's favor brings the gospel, the good news to the poor, who recognize what they lack, who let their needs take them to Jesus, and let God restore what was lost. Let's pray real quick before we go in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you'll speak through me and open the ears of the people here that they may be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first story we're going to look at today is found in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 is the story, in Luke 18 is the story of a rich young ruler. Rich young ruler, young ruler, comes up to Jesus and he asks Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? In verse 20, this is what Jesus says. There you go. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And the young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. This is probably one of the saddest texts in the Bible. When he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? So remember, right? What is the view of the Jews at this time of the poor? That they deserved it, right? God was punishing the poor because whatever, they, they weren't following his commands, they weren't listening to him, and so they were deserving of their poorness. But Jesus here is saying that it's harder, it's also, it's super hard for a rich man to be saved. It's so much easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. So if the Jews are thinking, well, if the poor aren't saved, and it's really hard for the rich to be saved, who then can be saved? The answer comes in the very next chapter of Luke. Does anyone know who comes in the next chapter of Luke? Zacchaeus. Who is Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was... Wait, wait, wait. Say it, say it, Mandy. A wee little man. Let's... let's well, actually, let me... Before we... We're going to sing that song, okay? But first, really, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, right? Not only was he a tax collector, but he was the chief of tax collectors. 
And the Bible says that he was rich. So people look favorably, favorably on rich people. But this was one rich man that the Jews all collectively hated. Right? Why? Because he cheated people out of their money just to put a little bit more money in his pocket. So essentially, this rich man would be someone who is associated with the poor. They were the outcasts. And like the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus seemed to care a whole lot about his money. He wanted more of it, and he did everything he could, no matter what way he got it, to get more rich. But there was another thing about Zacchaeus, and Mandy said it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So this is the part where I get the church to cooperate with me in my sermon. So we're going to sing the song. Ready? All right. You know this song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You guys, you guys know this song from Sabbath school. Ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. To your house today. Man, look at that. We, <laughs> we don't need special music. You guys got it. So, Zacchaeus, a wee little tax collector man. Zacchaeus heard about a man named Jesus. And what does Zacchaeus do? He climbs up in a tree. And when Jesus tells him to come down, because I'm going to your house, how does Zacchaeus react? It says he comes down with haste. He comes down so fast. He receives Jesus joyfully. And the people start to murmur. They say, how can Jesus spend time with this man? Doesn't he know who he is? He's, he's the chief of tax collectors. He's the worst of the worst. He cheats so many people out of money. How can you associate yourself with this man? And we get to verse 8 of chapter 19. This is the conversion story of Zacchaeus. He says, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So, these are the two stories quickly gone through them, and I hope that you've noticed some similarities, some differences, because now we are going to compare. So here's the first point. The Lord's favor brings the gospel to those, to the poor, who recognize what they lack. So what's the most obvious similarity between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus? They're both rich. They both got a lot of money. And we don't know, obviously we know that Zacchaeus cheated a lot of people out of their money. We don't know how the rich young Euler got his money, but we know that they're both rich. So let's go back to 
to chapter 18, verse 20. Luke chapter 18, verse 20. So he asked him the question, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, steal, bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And the rich young ruler responds and says, all these things I've kept from my youth. Like, hey, Jesus, since I was a kid, I have never cheated on my partner. I have never killed anyone. I've never stolen anything. I have never lied about anything. And of course, my family is honored because I'm so successful. So I bring a whole lot of honor to my family. But there's a specific reason that Jesus shares these very commandments. What is the true message of these commandments? If you were to summarize these commandments, what would it be? Love for man. Love for man. Exactly. What does Jesus tell him to do? He says, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. What is the one thing this rich young ruler lacked? It was love. Love for man. See, he had been so focused on keeping the letter of the law that he completely missed the message of the law. He did not realize what he lacked. And what does he do? He turns away sorrowful and leaves. He didn't really think that this was something that he lacked. He's like, I have everything. I've done everything right since I was a kid. I've worked so hard. I've made all this money. And now you're telling me that the one thing I lack is that I have to give everything away to people? How many of us are like this rich young ruler. You say, I keep all these rules I'm supposed to. Like, I'm a good person. I go to church every Sabbath. I pay tithe. I turn off my Xbox every Friday before sundown. And then I don't turn it on until after Sabbath sundown. But do you know what you lack? Is there genuine love for God and love for man in your heart? Do you know if you lack patience when you're driving in town and people keep cutting you off? Do you, know, do you know if you lack compassion and care when you see the homeless person on the side of the exit ramp holding a sign that says, anything helps, God bless? Do you know if you lack a deeper relationship with God? See, Zacchaeus knew that he lacked something. You can see in, by the desperation he, of, of him wanting to go see Jesus, right? This man, short little man, climbed a sycamore tree. He was that desperate to go see Jesus. Have you ever been so desperate for something that you did anything you could possibly do to go get that or see it? See, when I, last month, I went to go photograph a friend's wedding in Houston. So when I was coming back, I had a flight from Seattle to, to Hawaii, here, Hawaii. And it was Alaska Airlines. And that very day, around the time, right before the flight left, can you guess what was happening at that time? Can you guess what was happening at that time? It was like the second, second week of January. Second weekend of January, on a Sunday. On a Sunday. A Cowboys game. It was... It was a Cowboys playoff game. And 
here's the thing, right? It has been, it was, it has been three years, I think, since the Cowboys had won a playoff game. 2019, I think, was the last time they had won a playoff game. And we were playing Tom Brady. And we had never beaten Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was so old. I was like, this has to be the moment we finally beat him. And I just knew that the next game we were going to play, we would not win. I just, I just, I had hope, but I just knew. And I was like, this is going to be my one chance to see the Cowboys win a playoff game and beat Tom Brady. I need to watch this game. So I started watching it before the, before the flight was supposed to leave, and then I boarded. And so I was like, I guess I got to buy the Wi-Fi on this plane. Because, you know, Alaska Airlines doesn't have TVs. So, so I got on the plane, and I'm on my phone trying to connect to the Wi-Fi. And I guess, you know, when there's hundreds of other people on the plane that are trying to connect to the Wi-Fi at the same time. It gets really slow. So it would not load. And I'm here like, I know they're going to win. I need to watch this game. And it's not loading on my phone. And then I see, I'm, I'm on the window seat, and there's two people next to me. And I see the guy on the end. He pulls out his iPad, and it had loaded for him. And I was like, what? That, how? And so I was like, OK, I have my laptop in my backpack, but it's in the overhead bin. So without shame, I was like, hey, man, can you grab my backpack? Can you get up from, from your comfortable seat and, and grab my backpack and, and hand it to me so I can get my laptop? And he did, thankfully. And so I pulled out my laptop, and it finally loaded. The page finally loaded. And the Wi-Fi was going to be the first package that they had, which didn't make sense to me. I must have clicked on the wrong thing. But the first package they had was a 24-hour package for like 24 hours of flight time. So it would last a year. So any time that you were on the Alaska Airlines flight, you could, you could get that. You could use the Wi-Fi in that one purchase until your 24 hours ran out. So that cost $20. So I paid $20 <laughs> to watch the Cowboys <laughs> win that game. And it wasn't even a close game. It was a, it was, it was a, it was a blowout win. So it wasn't super entertaining, but it was like, I got to see them win. Desperation. <laughs> that was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus because he realized that he lacked something. So Lord's favor brings the gospel to the poor who recognize that they lack something. Think about it. Like, how can God give something to someone who doesn't even realize that they need it. They're not searching for it. They already have it all. That's why the gospel has to go to the poor. It's the people who recognize that they lack something. Zacchaeus had a whole lot of wealth, but he still realized he lacked something. And he knew that what he lacked, Jesus had. And that brings me to my next point. The Lord's favor brings the gospel to the poor, who let their needs take them to Jesus. So the rich young ruler, initially, he does go to Jesus. But what was the real reason behind his visit? Think about how he approaches Jesus. He says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's trying to flatter Jesus. Like, what do I got to do, you good person? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. He doesn't let the flattery get to him. And then he tells him what to do. And the rich young ruler says, all these things I have kept from my youth. 
So see, this, this is a successful man, right? He had everything he thought he needed in his wealth and in the way that he kept his commandments. But just for good measure, he wanted to make sure that his ticket to paradise was stamped. So he asked Jesus this question. But if you look at the way he reacts, he was essentially wanting Jesus to affirm him. Like, good job, man. You, you kept all the commandments since you were a kid. You found success. God has blessed you. Eternal life is yours. That's what he was expecting because he's like, I, I have everything. I've done everything. So this should be mine, right, God? But obviously Jesus said that this man did in fact need something. He needed what? He needed love. Love for man. But when Jesus pointed out what this man needed, what did the rich young ruler do? He turned away. He walked away. His need drove him away from Jesus because he didn't even think that it was a real need. He had done everything himself. Everything was under control. He had worked really hard. He had kept the, the letter of the law to a T. He had done everything himself. The reality was that he did have a need, but he just wanted to do it himself. When you realize your need, where do you go? It's so easy, I feel like, to try to do everything yourself, right? Like, we, we, love, that, we love that reward factor of, like, being able to say, like, I put my hands into the dirt and, like, sweat so much just to get this. Like, I deserve this. We try to do everything ourselves. But how much can you satisfy your need on your own? How much, how much can you do? See, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus realized that he had a need. He had been cheating his own people out of their money for his personal gain. And he knew he had been treating these people poorly. Some of these people probably could have been his own family, his own relatives in the town, cheating them out of their own money. Zacchaeus realized that he needed love. How, how do I know this? He goes to Jesus, right? right? Jesus was a person who cared deeply for the poor. He would heal the sick. He would hang out with the publicans, the, the outcasts of society. And you know who Jesus called as a disciple that would have related to Zacchaeus? Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Zacchaeus realized that this is a man who has so much love in his heart. And he looked at himself and he said, what am I doing? I need to go see this man. I need to, to find out about this love. I need this love in my house. I need this love in my heart. Once he recognized that need, that need for love, love for man, love for God in his heart, he goes straight to see Jesus. The Lord's favor brings the gospel to the poor who let their needs take them to Jesus. Think about this. Like, how can God give something to those who don't come to him? You have a need, but if you never go to God, how is he going to satisfy that need? 
If you want to cash the check, you have to take it to the bank teller. Otherwise, you can't get your money. So if you know you have a need, go to Jesus. He will provide just like he did for Zacchaeus. Final point I want to make is that the Lord's favor brings the gospel to the poor who let God restore what was lost. Luke 18, 22. Jesus tells him to go and sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and does he leave him hanging there? Like, hey man, you're just going to get rid of everything, and that's it. You're just going to be a poor man the rest of your life if you want to be a disciple. What does he promise him? Treasures in heaven. So come and follow me. Treasure in heaven, what does that mean? In the beginning, God created the world. Heaven's in the earth. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no dead plants. There was no flooding of poly roads. Everything was perfect. Man was in communion with God. There was no separation. And mankind got to spend time with God face to face. In the most beautiful planet you could ever imagine. And we had this perfect, sinless character. Is that not the greatest of all treasures? But we lost that treasure, right? Sin came, took everything away. So Jesus is giving this rich young ruler a chance for the heavenly treasures to be restored to him. He's telling him these earthly possessions, they're not worth anything. They're not going to bring you what you desire. Don't store up your treasures here. Where what? Where moth and dust corrupts, right? So, back to my Miata. Loved that car so much. But it came at a price. That car was made in 1993. It is, at the time it was 29, now it's 30 years old. You got to believe that there's going to be issues, right? So one of the, one of the, the most obvious issues I, I saw was oil leaks. Being a 30-year-old car, car, like, you know, the, the gaskets and stuff, they wear out. So I had to deal with oil leaks, and I changed gaskets, and the oil would still leak, and so I had to find something else that was the cause of the problem. And eventually I did, but I never got around to fixing it because it was just... It was just a little tiresome. So I had to deal with these oil leaks. Constantly pouring oil into the car every couple weeks. Another time, I was driving one night to, to catch a movie with some friends. And as I'm leaving, all of a sudden, I can't shift into gear. And I'm like, we were in, we had gone to eat out at Olive Garden. And I drove there, everything was fine, perfectly normal. And then it's nighttime and we're about to go catch a movie. And everyone had left like 10 minutes before because the movie was almost about to start and I was like waiting for tiramisu at Olive Garden. So I was behind and then I couldn't shift into gear. So like I'm stranded there and I ended up having to leave that car in the parking lot and got home and figured out that there were these two parts that had gone bad so I had to replace those. They were relatively cheap but they were also a pain to replace. So I had to do that. Another problem was that I didn't have working AC. And you know, when you have a convertible, you kind of don't really need AC. Like, it's fine. Like, you got the wind blowing in your hair, right? But 
in the summer, when you're driving in the middle of the day, you get cooked. Like if you have the top on and, and the, the windows on, like I had like, you know, the fan still worked and I tried to do that, but it, I would just be baking alive in there. And if I roll down the windows, it would just be incredibly loud. Like the road noise on the highway, just if you're, if you're in it too long, like I will go deaf. And honestly, I probably will go deaf when I get older because of that. And if I took the top down and I have the sun beating down on me, Hope did this die. Oh, there you go. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dark-skinned. I'm not trying to get darker. I don't need a tan. So, like, I don't want the sun to beat down on me. So it was just a real problem. The biggest issue in this car, that's really the most common issue, is that there's this part in the car called the rocker panel. And it's, it's like, on the bottom of the door towards the rear wheel. And the way convertibles work is like there's a gap between that, you know, the convertible top and the back of the car. There's this little gap. So when it rains, the water goes into the gap and there's like two tubes on each side that the water drains out of. This tube can get, because you know, it's just a hole, things can fall in so it can get backed up. And when things start to get back up, that rocker panel starts to rust. And it can, you know, it, it, we call it like, Car people call it cancer. Like it's a tumor right there and it just starts to grow and grow. So I tried to take care of it and try to clean out the hole and it didn't work. And so as time went on, I saw, when I bought it, like I knew that was a problem and it was just kind of like small and bubbly. And as time went on, it like got more and more bubbly. So it just started to rust. And I sold the car and I told the guy about it. He was okay with it. All you gotta do is replace that part. So it's not, you know, the end of the world, but it's an issue and it's money. Point is, the things of this world, they will, they'll give you problems. They will go bad. Mott, dust, rust, everything will corrupt. They're all going to fall apart. Everything in this world eventually is going to fall apart. So that's why Jesus is giving this rich young ruler a chance to let go of all this stuff that he has here for something better, heavenly treasure. He wanted to restore to him the treasures of heaven. But the rich young ruler decided that his earthly treasures were worth more than anything God could offer him. But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus lets go of his riches. Luke 19 verse 8, again, Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. This is pretty overkill. Like Zacchaeus doesn't have to do this. He's giving half of the things to the poor. And he's also repaying the people he cheated four times as much. In the Jewish, Jewish law, if you stole something from someone and were giving it back, you would usually give back double, depending on, on, the, on the crime. The only time, this was the extreme, the only time you would have to pay four times as much is if you took from them, and in the process of stealing, you lost or damaged whatever was stolen. So nobody told Zacchaeus to do this, but Zacchaeus does it. And I need you guys to understand that Zacchaeus isn't doing this because he's trying to earn God's favor. When he's telling Jesus this, he's already doing it 
He's like, Lord, I've already, I've, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. I'm doing this, not because I earn your favor, but because I want to make room for you in my house. I want, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus restores what was lost to the people he cheated so that he could let God restore what was lost to him. And how does Jesus respond? He says, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. If you are Zacchaeus, this is one of the most emotional things anyone could say to you. Because Zacchaeus was hated. And at that time, the people, when you, when you are that bad of a sinner, you lose your, you're no longer a child of Abraham. You're no longer a child of the promise. Zacchaeus thought he had lost that title. He's no longer a child of the promise. But Jesus comes and restores what was lost to Zacchaeus. And what does he say after? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a really deep text. It's not what was lost was people, but it's also more than that. Because what also did we lose? We lost the heavenly treasures. Right? That perfect sinless world where man lived in harmony with his creator is what God wants to restore to you and me. That is the heavenly treasure. So do you want God to restore what was lost to you? Or do you want to hold on to what this world has offered you? There is, all of us, there is a great need in this world, but only some people realize it. There's a need for, for good news because the world is, is full. It's full of heartbreak. It's full of suffering. It's full of disappointment. You can chase after the riches of this world. You can chase after the Miatas, the nice cars. They go bad. They start to rust. They start to decay. You'll never be satisfied because there is a bigger need in your heart and mind. So you may not realize it, but you're actually poor and in need. You are lacking. And if you think that you, you are poor and are lacking, then there is a great treasure waiting for you. One that's going to satisfy all your heart's desires. And you will hunger nor thirst anymore. This is the gospel. This is the Lord's favor. The blessing of the gospel. But it only goes to the poor. The poor who recognize what they lack. Who let their needs take them to Jesus. And who let God restore what was lost. The year of the Lord's favor is here. The year of the Lord's favor is now. But the question for you today is, how much do you need it? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.com.
www.ghostbusters.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.